There we go. Uh, we've been confronted with the, the, the Pharisees on Devoris. He was trying to divide Jesus between the people and him. And, and it, that's just important for us to remember in this day and age. Devoris is a tough conversation to have with anybody because if somebody's gone through it, it's been tough. It, it's like when you hear somebody that has gone through it, it's like they've ripped their soul apart. And uh, it just, you don't come out from it unscathed. So uh, divorce is a tough thing to deal with. And uh, he goes on to, to telling him why Moses gave us divorce, because of the hardness of our hearts. Anytime you see somebody that they go through a divorce, the, the only reason that a couple goes through divorce is because somebody's heart got hard and cold. And they might have been justified in doing it. I might... You know, I, I can't fault everybody because of this, but we know that that's the only reason because of the hardness of our hearts. That God gave Moses this right, this this idea of divorce uh, that he could pass on to the Jewish people, and then he talks to the disciples about um, the eunuch, and, and this is also a tough saying and a tough subject and it's not for everyone you don't discuss it with just everyone uh, i'm reminded of corey tim boone when when uh she was talking to her father about something if you've not been to the corey tim boone house up in uh, uh harlem is it netherlands yeah uh i would encourage you to take some time and go up there and, and study it and and look at it but she gives a story about talking to her father about something that she learned in school that was a little bit questionable and he said, Corey, this, this satchel that I'm carrying here, it's got all these watch parts in it. Can you carry that? And she says, no, Daddy, I can't carry that. That's for you to carry. You're the only one strong enough to carry it. And he says, that's true. And I'm the only one strong enough to carry this subject that you're dealing with right now. You're not ready for it, so don't even try. Uh, just let me deal with it. And when you're ready, then I'll let you have it. And, and I think in our day and age, we try to give children everything early on, and it's like, that's stupid. Uh, why do we try to do that? But uh, we know why. Satan is trying to destroy our children. And <laughs> that's the very next thing that you see Christ dealing with. The children come running up to him, and he blesses them. And he rebukes the disciples for pushing them away. But then you have this rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler comes to Christ, and he's asking a question. Uh, it's funny because in, in Mark, he asks it a little bit different. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, and, and if you're going to inherit something, you have to do something for it. I mean, you set at your father or mother's bedside while they're dying and hold their hand just so you can get the better inheritance than your sisters or then your brother or you know is that what you're really after here so i can get my inheritance i'm going to do something well that looks like the idea that he might have had it's uh, very much what herod and his children the conflict that was going on there and so he had a wrong idea of this inheritance uh if you have an inheritance you don't work for your inheritance you didn't earn it uh it's not i mean <laughs> Who owns, uh, your parents have a house in Chile, right? Who owns that house? Not you. It's them. Your dad did all the work. Your mom did all the work. And, and for you to say, well, I deserve this. 
That's silly. It's a gift if they give it to you, and if they don't give it to you, you know, be happy for the sibling that gets it. So, but here Christ, he, he has to change this person's mind a little bit, and he's talking about the kingdom. And how do you enter into the kingdom? Well, keep the law. If you're going to try to do something, you keep the whole law. And if you offend in one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. Well, I've kept the whole law. Really? I mean, liar. <laughs> so, uh, and Jesus says, okay, you say you've kept the law, then go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. And then you'll have treasures in heaven. And then Peter does this. I mean, I love Peter because Peter is just like me. Because he, the first thought that comes into his mouth, it just flies out. And everybody knows what Peter is thinking. Um, I hate to even say this, but it's kind of like Trump. Uh, you know exactly what he's thinking because you see what he tweets or you see what he writes on social media. You know exactly what the man's thinking at the moment. So that's kind of like Peter. But in, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 27, and going down to verse 30, we'll see what Christ has to say here. Uh, it says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. Uh, what shall we have therefore? <laughs> What a question. What shall we have, therefore? Give me, give me, give me. That's what I think of when I hear that. But look at what Jesus says down in verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto, unto you, that ye which have followed me, um, it, that, I'm getting it mixed, mixed up. Let me start again. Verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his, of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken house, or brother, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for your word that you've given to us. Thank you for the promises that you give to us. Uh, thank you for your patience to us. You are so patient with us and so uh, gentle and leading us along. Lord, I pray you would help us as we look at this passage. Uh, that you'll help direct our minds to the important parts of this to help us uh, understand what's truly important, help us to, to understand what we should truly be striving after in, in, in our lives. Uh, I pray that you be with those that can't be with us today, those that are traveling, um, and those that are uh, not feeling well. I pray you would just raise them up. Uh, just help us to honor you with all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, just a little bit deeper. We've seen where he's come from on this, and then you have Peter's question. What do we get for following you? We've forsaken all and followed you. What do we get? Um, it seems like, on the one hand, it's a very greedy question. I mean, Peter, think about this. You're getting to spend time with your creator of the universe. Isn't that enough? You've gotten to see him heal people. Isn't that enough? He healed your mother-in-law. Isn't that enough? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's he's hoping for something a little bit better, you know. Um, but isn't that enough, Peter? And, and that's the question that we would have. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. You 
You're supposed to be serving the creator of the universe. Christ says, by him were all things created that are in heaven and earth, uh, by him and for him and through him. They're all for him. Uh, we find in Colossians chapter 1, I think it's verse 16 and 17, that it's all for him. And, and so, Peter, you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you want something more for this? And, and you would think that, Peter, come on. Uh, and, and what had Peter given up? Well, he had given up a business for Christ. I mean, it, it appears to me that he was the older of the two, Peter and Andrew. It looks like Andrew's the younger brother, Peter's the older one. And when his dad gets too old to work, who's going to get the business? Well, Peter would get the fishing business, probably. And, and what happens? Well, back in Matthew chapter uh, 4, verse 20, he says, come follow me. And they drop it and they get up and go follow him. They stop casting their nets right then and they, they drop them and they start following Christ. And, and so he's given up something. What else has he given up? Well, we know he had a wife and... When he's following Christ, he's not with his wife. When he's following Christ, who's taking care of his wife? What's going on there? I mean, their life had to have been changed drastically because of what he did. And probably in the moment, not for the better. It probably was a little bit harder for, for Peter's wife from this point on. And, and when you read the, the accounts of history, uh, of tradition, of what they went through, you know, we... we we understand that Peter was hung upside down on the cross, but do we know what happened to him right before that? His wife was hung on a cross too, and he had to watch it, and he had to keep reminding her. You'll see Christ in just a little bit. Just hold on just a little bit more. How could he do this? But he had forsaken all to follow Christ. And he, and he says it there. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And you would think, okay, Christ, are you going to strike him down because he seems greedy here? But that's not what Christ does. Jesus uh, is not upset with this question at all. Jesus is not mad at him. In fact, it looks like an opportunity that Christ has to explain something a little bit f uh, further, down in verse 28. And I'm sorry for my reading on this, it just dyslexia sometimes kicks in and it's hard to read. But he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye which have uh, followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on his throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now there's a lot to unpack there uh, because he's, he's already directing them to something else. You that have followed me, what does it mean to follow Christ? I mean, there were lots of people that were following him afar off. There were some people, uh, when you look at John chapter 6, they were following him, and I preached this sermon before, fish and chips Christians. They were following him because they wanted the fish and the bread. And he tells them specifically, I know why you're following me. It's because you ate something yesterday and you want something again today. It's not going to happen. You need to just follow me. There were some people that were following him just for what they could get from him. And, and that's not what he's talking about here. These people he's talking about, they are following him. And, and they're following him with their whole heart. And who of us, though, can say, 
We followed Christ with our whole heart. Um, that's a tough statement. I can't say that I followed him and, and following him with my whole heart. Um, I might do really good right now. It's like playing the game of golf. You know, you get one good shot and then you walk up to the ball and you get ready to hit it again and it just goes off into the trees and it's like, ah, let's do a mulligan. Let's do that over again. And then that one goes into the water and it's like, can I take three mulligans on this? You know, and, and my pastor would always say, ah, you're a missionary. You, you get grace. <laughs> so, uh, but that's like following Christ. We do good in the moment, but then it starts to, we get off track a lot of times. But Christ is saying, when you follow me in the regeneration, what's he talking about? The regeneration, the resurrection. Well, if you look back at, um, at John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, um, you, you've got Lazarus is dead. You've got Mary and Martha that are, are, are sorrowful here. And, and Jesus comes up to them and, and says, in verse 25, he says, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Uh, he's inviting her into this relationship to believe in him, to trust in him, to follow him. And he's saying, there's something better to come. As I get older, I'm, you know, when I was a, a young kid, I thought, boy, life is great. I'll be this way forever. I can run. I can jump. I mean, I used to run half marathons almost every week. And, and now I, it's like, if I can do 5K, five kilometers, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, that's what happens when you get old, when you get fat, you start slowing down, you start struggling with things. But he's saying, there's a life to come that is going to be so much better than what we have right now. There's something that we're going to receive that is, it, it's better. Um, and it reminds me of when you plant a seed in the ground and, and how long does it take for that seed to grow? I mean, uh, you don't get your plant overnight the next day. We planted some plants, uh, what was it, back several months ago. And they just sat there and sat there and sat there. And we're like, something's not working right with these. So we did something different. And then finally they came up and it's like, wow, well, it took about two weeks for them to start shooting through. And you have this little bit. And now they're on the back porch and they're bigger, but there's still no fruit. And it's like, when does the fruit come? When, when do I get my strawberries? When do I get my peppers? When do I, you know, it's going to take some time. It's going to take patience. And, and that's the same way in, when we're following Christ. You don't get it right away. Uh, you might not get the enjoyment in the moment. And that's one of the problems that our, our generation has. We want pleasure and we want it right now. If I'm not happy right now, the world is falling apart. And, and, but if I am happy right now, it doesn't matter if there's a war in Ukraine. It doesn't matter if there's this or that. If I'm happy, then it doesn't matter what else is going on. We kind of have our priorities wrong in this, this time that we live in. But he points them towards the, the resurrection or the regeneration. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Uh, Jesus... 
I, I find this interesting too. Uh, he says, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. Now, uh, you would think as soon as he gets there, he's, he's on the throne, he's sitting, he, he's ruling and reigning, but do you know where Christ is right now? Is he sitting on his throne in his glory right now? No, he's not. Uh, you can look in Acts chapter 7, verse 56, and kind of get a glimpse of what's going on here. And, and he, I hate to say this definitely because I can't see into heaven and see what's going on right now. But it appears to me that this is, this is what Stephen saw. And so we can take it and say, is he still right here or did he sit down at some point? Um, in Acts chapter 7, verse 56, now remember, Stephen has just preached a sermon and the people are mad at him and they are getting ready to stone him. And, and he says, and, be, and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Where is he at? He's standing there. He's not seated. He's standing there. And it's almost as if he is standing there welcoming people in to his kingdom, welcoming those that were faithful in, saying, come on in, come on in. And as soon as he gets ready to sit down on the throne, that's it. Now I'm going to judge because that's what happened. When they would sit down to judge, that's when, okay, time for grace is over now. I've sat down. It's time to judge. But as long as they were standing up, you had an opportunity to keep coming in. You had an opportunity to, oh, I've got a gift to bring to you. And, and so the, we kind of lose this in our culture because we don't have kings anymore, per se. I mean, yes, we saw King Charles get coronated just a few weeks ago. Uh, do I ever intend to go see him? Probably not. He's not a king that uh, I will ever have the privilege of seeing or the opportunity that just would never happen for me, even if I wanted to go see him. But here for Christ, he is welcoming people in. He's greeting them as they're coming in. And so judgment hasn't started yet. And when will he set on his throne? Well, we find that in Revelations. Uh, in Revelation, he comes in, and John talks about this in, in Revelation chapter 5, that he wept because no one was worthy to open the scroll. And then the lamb comes in and everybody's worthy are you to receive power and honor and glory from now and forever. And amen. And he is the one that sits on the throne and he's the one that judges and he's the one that sets everything right. But it's in the Zukunft. It's in the future. It's, 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 it's out there, whether it's today or tomorrow, it's not right now. And we need to keep that in mind. Peter needed to keep that in mind that this is not going to happen right now for you. This is going to happen later on. Um, but he says, if you have forsaken, what, what did he say there down in verse, um, verse 29? And everyone that hath forsaken house, houses or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Now, the thing I love about this verse, and everyone, 
Who is this? Who has he opened this up to? It's not just for you 12 here. This is for everyone. Anyone that will follow after me. And, and what has he called them to forsake? Does everybody have to forsake a house? Does everybody have to forsake their father? Does everyone have to forsake their mother? It just, or, 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 or. He's giving, it's not just that you've forsaken this and this and this and this and this. Whatever you forsake for him, it will be remembered by him. He will reward it. Uh, he is watching what we're doing. And it's not a competition to see, have I forsaken more than whoever? Have I forsaken more than you? Have I forsaken more than... No, it's not a competition here. It's just, what is God asking us to forsake? What is God asking us to do? Uh, I think sometimes God asks people to forsake their jobs. Uh, I remember growing up... Um, I forget when this was, but I, I remember hearing a story of a guy that got saved there in, the, in our area. And he had been a, a driver for one of the, a beer truck that he would drive all of. Great job, good benefits, wonderful job, good hours, uh, made lots of money. And he got saved and he says, I don't think I can do this as a Christian with a clear conscience. I think I'm going to have to give up my job. And that's what he did. He forsook his job and God gave him something else. And can you say it was a better job? I don't think it was. I think it was, uh, if you were looking at it from the world's point of view, uh, he, he, he went down a notch on the ladder there. But for Christ, he, he was willing to forsake a job for the cause of Christ. Uh, how many of us have had to forsake family for Christ? I mean, when our family decides they want to go one direction, and this is the direction that God's called me to go. I mean, for Daylene and I, it wasn't a big problem for our parents sending us to Germany. It's like my parents, yeah, we've got two other sons and a daughter, and yeah, go, you're fine. Uh, I know my mom would say that, that's cruel. That's not, you shouldn't say that, but yeah. And, and for Daylene, uh, She's got two other sisters. They live right there. And so we can be here, and I don't feel like we've forsaken our parents. Uh, we've just done what God's called us to do, and our parents have been behind us the whole way. We haven't forsaken them. Have I forsaken lands? Well, you know, my brother's taking care of that. I get to go enjoy it whenever I want, and I don't have to do all the work. So, you know, I can go hunting whenever I am back there. Uh, it's great. Have I forsaken something? No. But... You know, if we're trying to compare one against the other, to look at that and say, well, I've done more than you or you've done more than me, God tells us don't judge or you'll be judged. Um, we need to be careful at that. But he has called us to do something. Each and every one of us, we have to forsake something. And most of the time, what is that? You have to forsake yourself. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. I didn't even put that in here. I should have had that, that verse in here, but we are called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. And that denying ourselves is the biggest thing that we have to deny. Because honestly, when we look at this list, when we have, when we're trying to please or hang on to a house, why? I mean, it's a lot of work. Well, because you think it'll, be helpful for yourself. Uh, when you forsake your brother, 
and you leave where your family is at. Why do you do that? Um, you know, wouldn't it be better for me to stay close to my brother so he can help me with jobs and I can help him and we can work together on things? It would be helpful for myself. But Christ is asking us to deny ourselves. And I think that's the big point of this, to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Um, and then what does he say here? You'll receive a um, hundredfold and everlasting life. So what's a hundredfold? Uh, I've heard some preachers say something to this effect. You give a dollar to the Lord and he's obligated to give you a hundred dollars back. Yeah, I have heard that one preached before. And, and I'm not going to say the name of the pastor or the preacher. I don't want to say he's a pastor. The, the preacher that said it, but his name goes with what he's preaching about right there. So, And we'll just leave it with that. But it's not about money. Uh, when you receive a hundredfold on something, it, it seems to me that it's encompassing a whole lot of things. Uh, I love to watch farming videos. And when the farmers are harvesting their crop, um, for really good farmers, they can usually, they'll get the grain, especially if it's corn, they'll get the corn off of it. Then they'll go back through and they'll bale up the corn stalks. And then they'll turn the cattle loose on the field and the cattle will eat up everything that is left on the ground. They're getting a hundredfold out of that. They're getting so much more than what they put into it. They spent three days getting the field ready and planting it and, and, and preparing it that way, um, maybe four, and, and then they're able to feed their cattle for a good long time off of that one field. Um, and, and the reward that they get from their cattle, it, it, it's a neat thing to watch when somebody gets a, a hundredfold off of their what they planted. We see one person in the Bible that gets a hundredfold off of his, his, what he's planted, and that's Isaac. Uh, Isaac planted a field, and the Philistines were jealous of him because he received a hundredfold, and they said, we can't compete with him, so we have to kick him out. Um, but Christ wants to give us a hundredfold. When are we going to receive this hundredfold? It's not in this life. When you plant something, you have to wait. Like I said earlier, you wait for the plant to come up. It takes a long time. It, it's not immediate. So, We'll receive an hundredfold and then what? Everlasting life. Um, Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 6, and I love this verse, I use it all the time, but Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What is true life? It's being close to the Father. It's being one with the Father. Um, he wants to give us this inheritance more than I think we want to receive it because we really don't see what it is because we don't have eyes to look into the future. It's hard for us to see that. And then the last thing that I see here in verse 30, but many that will be first shall be last and the last shall be first. Now, please don't ask me to, what exactly is this talking about? I can see several different areas of what this is talking about and the commentaries all had they would point to two or three different things. Um, and I don't think any of them got the same exact two or three different things. But when you just think of it, who is first in our world today? Well, the guy driving down the road in the Porsche, he's first. And, you know, I'm in my little VW. I'm last starting off from the stoplight. I mean, I know that's a silly thing, but 
you could look at it that way. And then there's somebody that's sitting off to the side of the road and he's saying, please give me something because I'm hungry. You know, so who's first and who's last here? Um, and, and I think when Christ comes back, he will set that all right. And, and the people that have had more than enough, you know, we see that with the, the in, in, is it Luke chapter 16 with the, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, you in your lifetime, you had plenty and he suffered. Now it's been inverted and he is comforted while you suffer. And, and I, I think there's part, partly some of that. Uh, I think part of it too is with ruling, uh, who is first now? Well, you've got people setting up ruling and they are first. They get the first choice of everything. Uh, in so many lands, we're trying to give aid to different lands and what's happening? They're taking some off the top, and by the time it gets to the person that really needs it, uh, out of a dollar that's been sent, they're getting maybe six cents. And I've seen the statistics on that, maybe six cents, whether you're giving charity or whether it's coming from the U.S. government, they might be getting six cents out of every dollar, the person that really needs it. Uh, it's, it's almost disgusting how much is skimmed off the top. But that's what happens because we're corrupt. And so the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Can you imagine in heaven when the person that's only been getting the, the peelings from the potatoes or the rotten potatoes that made it through? Uh, I remember uh, our Ukrainian friends uh, that we sponsored over, my parents sponsored over years ago, they talked about that, how the... Uh, the children in school got rotten potatoes in their soup all the time because the people that made the soup took all the potatoes home with them. They took all the good potatoes, and so the children only got the rotten potatoes. Can you imagine the children that had to eat those rotten potatoes? Have you ever eaten a rotten potato? Ugh, it's nasty. But can you imagine in heaven the person that had to eat the rotten potato, now they're in charge, and the person that gave the rotten tomato or potato uh, is having to eat what? I don't know. So, but the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Maybe he's talking about those that came first into the kingdom. Maybe because they got to see all the miracles, the apostles early on, maybe they'll be the last ones and the ones that waited until last are made first because they believed at the last and they didn't have as many signs and wonders. I don't know. Uh, there are all these speculations on this, but Christ will set everything right, and everything that has seemed unfair to this point, He will make it right. He is a God of justice. So what can we learn from this passage? What, what is He trying to teach us? Well, first off, Jesus doesn't mind answering hard questions. He doesn't mind Mary coming to Him and saying something to, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He doesn't mind that question. We just need to be coming to Him. We need to have that relationship open and, and be honest and open with Him. He doesn't mind. I think He does mind to, to a certain extent if we're snarky with Him, but if we come hurting, He understands that. What Didn't He weep right, right after He had answered her? He understands our heart. We just need to come with the right attitude towards Him and say, God, you know my heart. You know I'm, I'm struggling here. Please help me. He'll make it all right. He doesn't mind the hard questions. If you're having questions with something, take it to Christ. Go to His Word and see if you can find an answer in His Word on the question that you're struggling with. 
Uh, you might say, well, my family is this, or my wife is that, or my husband is this, or my... Take it to the Word of God. The next thing that I see is Jesus is inviting us to a great adventure. I mean, think about the adventure that he has called us on. When I look at my own life and I just go back through it, I'm dyslexic. I grew up in southwest Missouri. I, I shouldn't have even gone to college, probably. I was not smart enough to go to college. But look at where God has led me as I surrendered to him and started following him. It, it is as if he has called me on a great adventure. And he's not just called me, but he's calling us all to an adventure to follow him and see where he will lead us. But it takes being yoked up with him. It takes denying ourselves and allowing him to lead us. In, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, how many of us don't want a light burden moving forward? Um, I was talking to my neighbor just yesterday, and, and I forget how the conversation came up. I think he's just said, Gate alles gut? Is everything going well? And I said, you know, as long as it's going well with the family, it really doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what our president is doing, and it doesn't matter what Berlin is doing, if everything in the house is going well. And he said, yep, that's, that's his thought exactly, too. And, and when you have that easy burden, what's the burden that Christ is trying to put on us? Well, it's just to follow him and to share him with those around us. And sometimes that's a hard burden, too, because you look at Jeremiah. I wanted to keep silent, but it burned within me, and it caused division for him, and he was thrown in a pit. And did he say it was a light burden for him? But here Christ is saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, uh, light compared to what? You know, compared to sin? Uh, if you're going to carry around your sin, like... Uh, what was the guy's name on Pilgrim's Progress? Pilgrim, carrying around that weight of sin when he had to leave his family. It was worth it to lose that burden. So um, Christ is calling us to an adventure. And then lastly, uh, Christ will make all things new and make all things right. He'll, he'll set everything in place. He'll judge everything rightly. We don't have to do that. I don't have to go around asking and making sure that everybody has prayed the right prayer and done the right thing so that they'll get into heaven. That's in God's hands. My job is to preach Christ, turn to Him, Him alone. That's what I'm called to do. And He'll make sure everything is set right. Uh, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, it says this, And he that sat, you see here, he's now seated upon the throne in Revelation 21. Verse 5, it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He will make it all right, and he is a faithful God, and we can trust him. And what are we going to do with him today? Are we going to cling close to him? Are we going to draw close to him like the disciples did? Or are we going to forsake him like the disciples did when he was going to his crucifixion? What are we going to do with Christ today. So let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for your word that you've given to us. Uh, thank you for the joy it is to get in and study it, and, and the joy it is just to know you a little bit better, to see your heart, to see um, 
what's important to you. And Lord, I pray you would help us to make, uh, make the things that are important to you, make those important to us. Uh, Lord, I pray you would help us to be willing to forsake everything to follow after you. Um, Lord, if there's someone that's, that's watching or listening today and they don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they uh, turn more towards you, that they drop what they're doing and, and just cry out to you. Uh, I don't know where they're at or what, what need they specifically have, but Lord, we know that you know these things. You see them and you love them exactly where they're at and you're drawing them to yourself. Um, we love you and praise you. We want you to be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.